Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Drinks with Allie podcast, where we're talking everything from red red wine to pina coladas. My name is, as always, Allie, and of course, I'll be your host today. Today is Monday, February 15th. It's a mixed drink Monday, and today is episode 26. I hope everybody had a fantastic Valentine's Day weekend, and I hope that you're also enjoying all of that half-price chocolate today. Now, since tomorrow is Shrove Tuesday, aka Fat Tuesday, or Mardi Gras, or the day before Lent, let's take the chance to talk about some super traditional Mardi Gras drinks. Okay, so they're really more like traditional New Orleans cocktails, but since we most often associate those two things together, Mardi Gras and New Orleans, we might as well talk about these cocktails. So don't forget that this also means we should be giving something up for Lent, um, so tomorrow. Whether you're into this or not, it's a fun time to take a look at what you can let go in your life. Hopefully uh, that's not drinks or too much, too many drinks at least. For myself personally, I am going to not give up something, but going to make sure that I do something. So personally, I'm going to be making sure that for the next 40 days, I am going for a run every morning thus allowing me to drink just a little bit more wine. Alright, so let's jump on into some Mardi Gras cocktails to start off our Lent's right. So, to start off, we're going to start with the Hurricane. So, um, we have definitely all heard of the Hurricane, served in its own glassware of the same name. The Hurricane is a definitively an iconic cocktail of New Orleans, invented just prior to the U.S. joining World War II, So, uh, the early 1940s, uh, actually in 1940, at a bar in the French Quarter called Pat O'Brien's. Now, side note here, Pat O'Brien, who is one of the owners at this point and the namesake of the bar, also ran a speakeasy about a block away from the current Pat O'Brien's location and the original Pat O'Brien's location all throughout Prohibition. So he is definitely a mainstay of the alcohol industry in New Orleans, and especially in the French Quarter. Back to our story. So it's wartime. Uh, U.S. distilleries were being used to make, quote, necessities of war. Um, And since they weren't involved directly at that point uh, in the war, they are still sending supplies to Europe and to the U.K. And domestically made liquor was incredibly difficult to obtain. Um, because they were making alcohol for field hospitals, and definitely alcohol was not considered something that you needed at that point. But rum coming from the Caribbean islands uh, was far more plentiful. It came right up the Mississippi River, so it came right past New Orleans, and was incentivized by um, alcohol purveyors for owners and bar managers to purchase and serve in their establishments. So we know that this drink is definitely going to be a rum-based drink. Now, no one bartender can take credit for the final recipe, but the Pat O'Brien's website mentions that general manager at the time, George Oshner Jr., I hope I'm saying his name right, had a bunch of people working on the recipe, So really, it's kind of more of a team effort and collaboration uh, cocktail than a single credit for a bartender. This is one 
cocktail I've longed to make for a really long time. But finding passion fruit with which to make the essential puree is a bit of a challenge here. And yes, yes, yes. I know I can buy it from online retailers, large and small. It just seems like such a waste um, to purchase puree for one drink when you need, you'll see in the recipe, just a very, very tiny amount. On that note, though, you can, if you want to give this recipe a try and you can't get passion fruit puree, you can sub in uh, mango puree, papaya puree, guava puree, or even a peach puree, or some combination thereof. Um, and you'll get a similar effect. But if you're not, my goal for 2021 is to find some passion fruit in order to make a true hurricane. So when we do, I will let you guys know what that tastes like. Alrighty, recipe time. So let's grab our shaker and add two ounces of dark rum, two ounces of light rum. So you could either use a white or a golden rum here. Either or would be fantastic. Probably, personally, I'd lean more towards the golden rum versus the white. Then we're going to add one ounce of lime juice, one ounce of orange juice, half an ounce of passion fruit, passion fruit puree, half an ounce of simple syrup, and a bar spoon or one-eighth of an ounce of grenadine. So good thing we made grenadine last week and it holds for a while in the fridge because we're going to need it again with this recipe. Toss in that handful or so of ice that we always use and shake until well chilled. So again, remembering that's anywhere between 30 and 60 seconds, depending on how vigorously you shake a cocktail. Strain it all into a hurricane glass with ice, and then we're going to garnish it with an orange wheel and a cherry. Fear not, if you don't have a hurricane glass, you could use a tall, wide glass or a Collins glass. And I'd guess even a margarita glass in a pinch. Just make sure you add ice. A hurricane packs a punch. There is, after all, four ounces of rum, which is double the amount that we normally have in a single cocktail in this drink. And the ice will help to dilute the drink as you're drinking it and make it a little bit more enjoyable. Not that it's not an enjoyable cocktail, as is where it is. So just keep that in mind, um, that you definitely want to have the ice, and that it is going to pack a punch. I wouldn't suggest drinking five of them on a hot day. It might not be a great, great ending to your day. So our second classically New Orleans cocktail is the Sazerac. Um, and if you don't know how to spell Sazerac, it's spelled S-A-Z-E-R-A-C, Sazerac. Definitively, we know that the Sazerac comes from New Orleans. And really until the mid kind of aught, so the early 2000s, the double zeros, so 2000 to 2009, it basically stayed there. Very, very few people were drinking it outside of New Orleans. And then, even then, a lot of rumors are that it was just a very specialized cocktail. It was considered kind of a luxury item until we're very firmly planted in the cocktail renaissance. And then we start to see it kind of grow out from there and it's definitely now found in just about every cocktail bar going. It's also a very old cocktail and it's a cocktail that is distinctively tied to the city of New Orleans. Um, so its history is very much intertwined with the history of New Orleans. The story goes, and again 
being as old as it is, that this could be a bit of a muddy history. But the story goes that way back in 1838, Antoine Peychaud, a Creole apothecary, invented the drink using a cognac by the name of Sazerac de Forge Aphius, uh, which is a brandy. Um, so this is likely where the name comes from. And then for some friends of his who were Masons. And then in 1852, the first Sazerac House, which is really just a coffee house that also happens to serve cocktails, opens. And we're assuming still at this point that it is likely because of the name of the brandy that it's called the Sazerac House. In the 1860s, though, a nasty little bug called phylloxera hits Europe and decimates pretty much all of the vines, effectively cutting off wine and brandy production for New Orleans, or availability, not production, availability for New Orleans and the rest of the world. Um, so the vines all get decimated. There's no very little production coming out. And this is when we see rye whiskey substitution, the rye whiskey substitution um, for the brandy, giving us the cocktail that we currently know. But even with all of this, it's not until 1899 that we actually have proof of the Sazerac and cocktail, um, so those two words, being printed together and a recipe being printed for it. So a couple of notes before the recipe. Uh, one, Anton Peychaud also invented Peychaud's bitters, which are essential for this cocktail, but originally they were medicinal, much like all bitters were and are. Bitters are incredibly medicinal. Number two, you can buy a rye by the name of Sazerac Straight Rye Whiskey. It's um, distilled, owned by the same company that distills Buffalo Trace in Kentucky. Um, and they also own, I believe it's 10 other brands, might be 12 other brands. Um, and it is heralded as the whiskey for making Sazeracs with. But since it's a straight rye, meaning that rye is the only grain in the mash bill, I think we could swap out any, uh, the Sazerac with, with, for any good quality aged rye whiskey in this recipe. Um, so rye has a bit of a spicy note to it. So that's um, kind of the flavor profile that you're gonna be looking for when you're picking one. But like I said, most likely because it's just a straight rye, you could probably pick up any straight rye and swap it directly in. In fact, I know lots of bartenders that do that. Alrighty, so this one is, has a few steps and it's a little bit more involved as far as a recipe than any of the others that we've tackled so far. So this is definitely the day of a little bit more intricate cocktails for us. First off, we're gonna take a rocks glass and we're gonna add one third of an ounce of absinthe to our glass. We're gonna rinse the glass. So we're gonna slowly swirl it around so it coats the sides and we're gonna drain off any excess. Don't worry, you're not gonna see any little green fairies. Modern absinthe, especially in North America, um, isn't allowed to use wormwood over a certain percentage, so the quote-unquote hallucinogenic properties have been mitigated by that. So wormwood is the factor that was originally considered um, the hallucinogenic of 
absinthe. Now, if you get some from Europe, they have fewer regulations for it over there, so you can get higher wormwood extraction in those. But North American ones, not so much. All right, so we've rolled our glass, we've drained off the excess, and we're going to set our glass aside for now. And then into our mixing glass, or our wide mouth mason jar, we're going to add one sugar cube, three dash dashes of Peychaud's bitters, one dash of Angostura bitters, and then muddle the sugar and the bitters with a couple drops of waters. So we're going to squish it all up, muddle it around so it kind of makes like a smooth paste, which is going to allow us to incorporate it a little bit better. Next up, we add one and a quarter ounces of rye, so that nice rye whiskey, and one and a quarter ounces of cognac, or brandy, sorry. Cognac is also a brandy, but of brandy. Then we're going to fill our mixing glass or our mason jar with ice, and we're going to stir it with our bar spoon, or like we talked last week, we could use just a long-handled teaspoon or tablespoon. Remembering we want to uh, stir until the mixing vessel is nice and chilled, or we've added 25% of the volume in in ice. Then we're going to strain the mixture into our chilled our glass that had the absinthe rinse. And then to garnish, we're going to take a nice strip of lemon peel. We're going to squeeze it to express the oils over the glass and then twist it nice and tightly and put it on top of the glass for our garnish. Now, you could add an ice cube if you didn't want to drink it neat. Um, so it would also keep it slightly cooler and it would keep it, um, would allow a little bit more dilution as you drank it. And you can definitely play with the ratio of rye to cognac. Or, sorry, brandy. I don't know why I keep saying cognac. Probably because brandy at that point was cognac. Okay, so the more brandy you use, the sweeter it will get. And the more rye you use will make it a little bit stronger because uh, rye whiskey tends to be higher in percentage, but also make it a little bit spicier. So personally, I probably wouldn't play more than that quarter ounce, maybe half an ounce, either side of the original recipe. But like I said, it's a fun one to get to experiment with, so you can definitely do that easily. So with that, guys, we'll wrap up another episode. If you would like to get a hold of me, whether you have a question, comment, concern, or a show topic idea, you can do that in a few ways. You can send me an email at drinkswithally at gmail.com. So D-R-I-N-K-S-W-I-T-H-A-L-I at gmail.com. You can head on over to the website, which is also drinkswithally.com, and you can either fill out the contact me form or you can leave a comment on episode 26's podcast page. And I will get them, I will see them, and I will respond. Or you can find me on any of the social medias, so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, MeWe, Pinterest, Spotify, TikTok, and you can send me a direct or private message on any of those. Um, and again, they're all at Drinks with Allie. So, fill your glass with something tasty this week, guys. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>